Thanks for tuning in to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Alexis and Suzanne here with a quick message about our early season one episodes. Just like it took Rory time to get settled into Chilton and the Gilmore Girls writers to develop the role of a random guy named Mick to the Kirk that we all know and love, here at Talking Fast, it took us some time to learn to podcast. As you listen to our early episodes, we ask for your patience as you witness our process of learning how to host a podcast, organize an episode, edit audio, get new equipment, and more. We also understand that sometimes you just like to skip over the Independence Inn and get to the good parts of Lorelai and Suki living out their dreams running the dragonfly. So if that's the case, feel free to skip ahead to after our mid-season one recap where we feel we hit our podcasting groove. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy and stick around. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, and we're excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we'll be covering season one, episode five, Cinnamon's Wake. Here is the Netflix bio. Lorelai admits she has feelings for someone. Meanwhile, Rory has a budding relationship of her own that is moving forward. They don't even mention the biggest plot point. It's in the name. The name of the episode. <laughs> That's true. The place of honor. Mm-hmm. Before we get into talking about the episode, um, Halloween is coming up. Would you like to talk a little bit about some Gilmore Girls Halloween ideas? Who, for example, do you think you would dress up as from Stars Hollow? Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of any Halloween moments in the show because it is such a fall themed show but they don't always bring up halloween as often Mm -hmm. the one thing i could remember is far in advance which is the party that rory goes to that the episode is called like pulp friction i think and it's a costume party and they all go as (laughs) quentin tarantino characters um so that was just that was a random memory of mine But in terms of who I would go as for Halloween, that's a great question. Do you have an answer? I strangely do have an answer. I think I would go as Taylor Dosey, Mm. but specifically either Taylor when he is wearing his Candyman outfit once he starts the candy shop, or Taylor when he comes back from vacation with a toupee. Um, because I just, I feel like that would be fun. I also have dark hair, so I wouldn't even need the toupee. I could just get the the cozy cardigan and look like Taylor. That would be awesome. <laughs> hmm. Because my, my first thought was something like Rory, which would be a bit boring. Uh, my second thought was something I don't even think makes sense, but maybe somehow I could go as, like, a film by Kirk. <laughs> And I used to have a sticker for my laptop that said a film by Kirk. Um, So I wonder if I could either dress up as like a movie screen somehow and have a t-shirt with a picture on it or like wear items related to any of his movies, which are kind of one of his movies at least was a little spooky, if I recall. So it is Mm -hmm. maybe Halloween-ish within the realm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Was it the, I think maybe in the revival, the one where he had the movie with the pig Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that could be fun (laughs) yeah good idea speaking of the revival that 
like spookiness. I was thinking about that like life and death brigade really weird scene yeah. as well with like didn't have a talking bird or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't it reminded me that and also Lorelai and Luke's wedding reminded me of um Alice in Wonderland, like the Tim Burton mm-hmm. rendition that came out recently. I guess like fifteen years ago. <laughs> but that both of those scenes have, have Tim Burton esque kind of whimsical vibes. Mm-hmm. You're right. Maybe Amy Sherman Palladino was writing the, those scenes either during Halloween or after watching some Tim Burton because they are whimsical but in almost a supernatural sort of way. It doesn't exactly match the rest of the tone of the show. We'll talk about it later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should we get going with Cinnamon's Week? Yes, we should. And Talking Fast. In our segment, Talking Fast, we'll attempt to recap as fast as the Gilmore Girls themselves. So here's how it works. We'll each take on the challenge of recapping the episode in only 30 seconds. So let's talk fast. Did you go first last time or did I go first? You bet I did go first. (laughs) Oh, great. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Okay, well... I think I'm ready. Tell me when. Ready, set, go. Okay, we have a couple main points in this episode. The first is the Chilton Bake Sale, where Suki bakes, but Lorelai meets Mr. Medina. And then they attempt to decide to date. It doesn't go very well, but they decide to. And then Cinnamon dies, sadly. Um, There's a wake for Cinnamon. Dean comes over, hangs out a little bit with Rory. She's super awkward. And then uh, Mr. Medina comes and is left. And uh, that's... I got some of it. That's your time. I feel like I talk slower as soon as we get into the talk fast Mm -hmm. portion. It's the pressure of it all. (laughs) It's true. Okay, are you ready? No, but I'll go. (laughs) Okay. And... There's a bake sale at Chilton. Rory's going to school. Dean follows her on the bus, even though he doesn't need to be on the bus. At the bake sale, Lorelai Max flirt. They go out for coffee, a not date. They agree to go on a real date. There is a wake for cinnamon. There's a lot of really short door frames of Rory and Dean establish they have feelings for each other. And... Um, Luke and Suki fight over food and things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Mm. So much happened, but we both did so badly. (laughs) Right. In the, in the fear of not mentioning everything, my memory suddenly went blank (laughs) and I wasted time on a pause. (laughs) Yeah. Well, should we slow it down and talk about the main moments in detail? Absolutely. You know, I think we jinxed ourselves a little bit last week when we said, we're so glad there hasn't been any romantic episodes (laughs) because Mm -hmm. this was completely full of romance in good and bad ways, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, we finally get the return of Dean. And once again, he's being a creep in baggy clothes. I mean, I guess that's par for the course at that uh early 2000s mm-hmm. but I think Halloween <laughs> Halloween is still on my mind because when you said the return of Dean it sounds like a horror movie <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it would be 
It'd be like a Gilmore Girls and Supernatural crossover. I bet there's fan fiction on that. I if yeah, yeah. Uh, but right. So the return of Dean, I was surprised by how confident Dean seemed. Actually, I thought he seemed. I wondered if the writers maybe um, like went in with his character. They're like, okay, we're definitely gonna have him be the main love interest for Rory. And I just remembered him being a lot more shy in the pilot. And he was more confident, almost to the point where I'm like, it was a bit pushy, in my opinion, on the bus. Like, the way um, he was so... He, like, did a jump scare to continue with Halloween talk. Like, he sneaks up behind her and is, like, leaning over the seat behind her. And I just want to be like, you can flirt with her, but can she have some personal space, please? (laughs) Yeah, she also looked so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And granted, some of that is just because Rory clearly, this is probably her first time really talking to a guy with, like, romantic intentions, but he also completely startled her. Like, he can't expect her to carry on a normal conversation when he just freaked her out. Mm-hmm. I did notice throughout this episode, I think the it, we are supposed to see that we're supposed to see Roy as a very awkward mm-hmm. young girl with a first kind of crush. <laughs> she like can't finish sentences. She mixes up her words. She doesn't speak sometimes. She's definitely very overwhelmed by the feelings she's having for Dean in this episode. Yeah, I thought it was kind of endearing. Mm-hmm. I agree. But I was also a little bit like Actually, no, that's not true. I was going to say, like, she's 16. She would have had a crush by now, but that's not necessarily true. And, you know, people go in their own times. So. Mm-hmm. I admit that I kind of liked Dean a little bit more in this part than I do later. Mm. I don't think he should have freaked Rory out like that, but at at the wake, he is also, like, kind of, you know, clearly making advances and then he's clear about his intentions mm-hmm. although he does it in kind of a passive aggressive way <laughs> but i yeah I, he is a 16 year old mm-hmm. but i yeah i liked him better now than i do later that's for sure i agree and i think what we get from this episode slightly later is when rory sees dean working and she like ditches lane <laughs> to go so that she can go stalk Dean on her own. So at that point, we see the feelings are reciprocated, and I start to have less ill will toward Dean at that moment because it's like, okay, Rory does like him, and she's also doing some of that behavior that he's doing of like not knowing how to interact with their crush, so they're kind of just following them around <laughs> in a way that is both yeah. endearing and it could be worrisome but in this situation it seems to be mostly like oh look they'll they'll go on a date soon enough (laughs) yeah it's innocent so far Mm -hmm. which is real it's really juxtaposed to max and lorelei and their flirting and courtship because those are definitely Mm -hmm. two very experienced adults who seem like they've been around (laughs) the block in the romance department (laughs) yeah yeah, their banter together is just uh, astounding. Like, they're su- both such fast talkers and thinkers. Mm-hmm. 
It's amazing. I know. I want to take notes from both of them for our Talking Fast segment. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and, they would do much better. Right. They even, they kind of do a Talking Fast of their own in their, when they're getting coffee together and Max is like, oh, mm-hmm. I stumped you. Like he is responding so quickly with so much wit to her comments and I don't think she's used to being met at that level and she actually doesn't actually have a comment to say to, in response to him at one point and I bet maybe that was a moment when she's like yeah I should definitely date this guy <laughs> yeah yeah I think so that like after that moment she turned serious and it was no longer just the like flirty banter that she could potentially have with almost anybody mm-hmm. if, but they wouldn't be on her level right but I love <clears throat> the way that they meet each other again. Should we talk a little bit about the bake sale, which is a wonderful, wonderful scene. Right. <laughs> this bake sale, I honestly, I have to, I feel like it's cheating, okay? Because Lorelai says she's got the desserts covered, but it's Sookie who prepares a whole spread. And bringing in a professional chef like this to a bake sale made me feel it I thought of this tweet I read recently about how Beyonce performed at an elementary school fundraiser for Blue Ivy her daughter and it like just blows out all the other parents like blows them out of the water like what else how can they compete to raise money when you bring in Beyonce to perform right I'm like that's what bringing Sookie into this bake sale seems like to me it's true although I do wonder a bit if other Chilton parents did a similar thing. Good point. <laughs> Probably not with the same relationship with the chef, um, but I have a feeling, and they might have seen it as cheating. I feel like Lorelai didn't necessarily, but <laughs> yeah, I love Suki in this scene. I mean, I love her in most scenes, but I love that she's like in her element, lighting things on fire. Right, she being completely oblivious. <laughs> she won't let Rory use the the little fire gun you use for creme brulee and whatnot, but she herself will, and then gets the whole table—not the whole tablecloth, but part of it—on fire. But I love that. Like later on, we find that she was really paying close enough attention to remember Max and see how he and Lorelai were together. Mm-hmm. Right, those two. Yeah, a majority of this bake sale is about how Lorelai and Max do meet, and this is their first meeting again after the alter, not the altercation, but the the showdown in the headmaster's office. And it seems like it's hard for them to stay mad at each other. There's clearly, like, vibes going between them, too. Yeah, yeah, their chemistry is pretty off the charts, even in their first meetings. Mm-hmm. I also love that... Lorelai is so specific about the time that they should have their coffee date. It's exactly 4.12. <laughs> and Max is there waiting, of course. Mm-hmm. I, he had, he described when he said he wanted to meet with her, he said he wanted to meet away from the ivy, away from the gargoyles, which I thought was a very poetic line. Definitely reads mm-hmm. as an English teacher to me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know last episode we talked about him being an English teacher, but somehow it's still, like, I still forget. He does do a lot of, like, quintessentially English teachery things, but at the same time, he's not very English teachery. I don't really know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's too cool to be an English teacher, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, don't say that. 
it seems so far in a lot of these episodes it seems to be about or at least really has men pursuing women and the ways that it seems like it's been very insistent all every single time like we've had we started with that guy in Luke's and we were like is this how the rest of the guy, the guys in the show are and we're like no but then we also have the Chilton dad we have Tristan we have Dean who as we said gets better but at the start a little bit a bit pushy and Max like even though Lorelai clearly seems into him she is resistant and Max is like very insistent and um I don't I'm just like of all it just seems to be a pattern so far I'm like when does it end does it ever end in the show yeah that's a good question (laughs) I don't well it kind of does when Rory pursues Logan later on Mm. and Lorelai kind of pursues Luke and I guess that's a big turning point for both of their characters later on Mm -hmm. so that's I mean that's a good thing for us to kind of track Mm -hmm. as all of their relationship ups and downs happen because you're right yeah you're right they definitely have just like started with these guys pursuing them pretty aggressively right yeah, I want to see more about, like, Lori, Lori, I combined their names, Lori, <laughs> Rory and Lorelai being more active and doing the pursuing themselves and, like, full force seeking out what they desire rather than, like, having to be almost persuaded in some of these cases, it feels like. It feels a bit insidious to me, almost, like, it's just normalized in the show, like, this is just how guys get them to go on a date, but I don't mm-hmm. like it. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean, we basically have had said the exact same things as complaints about Tristan, mm-hmm. if we're being honest. And the, yeah, those creepy guys earlier. Tristan, I guess, just doesn't do it as well. No. <laughs> I will say, I will say positive things, though, about Max and Lorelai as well. In that scene you've mentioned, like, and, like, super early into that conversation, Max says, I think we should date. Like, he's very straightforward point blank about I, I just really appreciate that honesty and I think honesty is a quality that I identify as <laughs> something that is appropriate for when you are just starting to talk to someone and see if you're interested in each other even though I don't necessarily agree they should date I'm glad that he said that's what he wants <laughs> yeah yeah he could definitely have kept like beating around the bush and just flirting mm-hmm And, yeah, I feel like that's another one of the signs that was good for Lorelai also. Like, if he hadn't been straightforward and blunt with her, I doubt that she would have taken him as seriously as she does Mm -hmm. in the future. When Max is trying to communicate, like, I hear your concerns, but I really think you should listen to your heart, listen to your gut. He shares this story about his uncle. Uh, Yes. (laughs) As I was listening to it, I thought, this seems very, like, is he making this up? And then at the very end of the conversation, Lorelai asks <laughs> if he made it up. And I was like, okay, thank God someone asked. Like, I was like, am I, am I the only one thinking, is this real? And she does question it. And uh, they don't, he doesn't say. It might not have been real. I'm pretty sure it's a novel. I was like, because I wrote that down and I wrote it down to remind myself to look it up and see what book it is Mm. but then I forgot so maybe I'll do that um and post on Instagram or something but it sounded like 
Yeah, it sounded like a, a book. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, maybe he like made up some details, but that sounded very much like a a book I've heard of at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that would be a Max thing to do. <laughs> See, maybe he doesn't want us to think he is a recognizable English teacher because he's secretly using all of that knowledge and information to pass it off as his own <laughs> his own stories. <laughs> But yeah, it was about like an uncle who lived near a girl and he never approached her because he wanted to like do it at the right time. And then he goes away in war and comes back and she's moved away. And it's like you go for it when you can basically is the the moral of the story. But I find it a little ironic that he's basically telling her to like go with her gut feeling and... I think it seems like her gut feeling is this is wrong. Like, am I wrong to think that? I think that's, I I agree. I, I think that she knows that it's going to complicate things so much. Not just for Rory, but also for herself. And I, I kind of wish that maybe she had held off or something. And I'll probably bring this up more later in our Friday night dinners. But I definitely think that maybe this wasn't the right time for them to start dating. (laughs) Which I guess they technically don't really start dating. um, At least not for a little while. They attempt to and then things go badly. So, Mm -hmm. And the way that we are debating this is very similar. Like the should she, should she not... It's very similar to the conversation that Suki and Lorelai have following at Luke's. So it seems like they're both there for lunch or dinner, as two friends are want to do, and just talking about these personal problems. And Suki is listening to Lorelai and offering her advice, basically saying, Roy is no longer a kid. You should, if you do this, do it, but you should tell her, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, once again, Suki is the voice of reason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if Lorelai had listened to her, things probably would have gone better. Um, I loved this scene with Suki because there was so much, like, comedy sprinkled in there. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly what Lorelai says at the beginning of the scene, but then Suki takes it super literally and goes off thinking about Jim Carrey. (laughs) For the life of me, I can't remember what that was sparked by. But I thought it was hilarious. Then she goes and, like, tries to get garnish and everything for everybody. Luke gets pissed off. It's wonderful. It's a great comedic scene. (laughs) I agree. I was laughing a lot. Suki, it was like she was compelled to go behind the counter. And she wanted to get something for Lorelai. Like, Lorelai's burger might have been missing ketchup or lettuce I don't remember but she goes to get it and then she starts to serve all the other customers she (laughs) tweaks the recipe for someone's dish and then Luke comes out and is like Suki how many times have I told you this is my sacred space you never go behind the counter and it even though Luke is so angry it's lovely too because it's like that's Luke's relationship with people he cares about right he gets angry (laughs) Yeah, and you can tell it's not, like, an anger, mm-hmm. really. It's more of, like, a playful, I don't know, venting, kind of. Because, like, there's there's no point when anybody thinks that he's actually pissed off at Suki. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, like, this is, yeah, this is their relationship. This is how they interact with each other. And it's it's so, like, 
small town charm, you know. Speaking of small town charm, I think we can talk about the major event, which is Cinnamon's Blake R.I.P. Yeah, it's truly depressing. For any of you who um, maybe didn't watch the episode before, for a bit of background context, this is Babette and Maury's cat, Cinnamon. Or should I say their beloved child? Either way. (laughs) And Cinnamon is approximately 260 years old in human years. So has died, so the cat has died of natural causes, we should say. And they hold a wake for her, and it seems like almost the entire town comes. Yeah. I thought it was, yeah, it was just depressing. I have two cats, and Mm -hmm. thinking of them dying is just very, very sad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That would be, I would react probably about the same way that uh, Babette and Maury react. Mm Mm-hmm. But I do also want to get a little covered wagon for both my cats to take them on walks around town. Right. They probably wouldn't behave as well as Cinnamon. I thought this episode did an interesting mixture of seriousness when it came to Cinnamon's passing and humor that I thought at times mixed very well. And then at other times, I don't know. The way they were making fun of Cinnamon... Like, later on, Lane and Rory are joking about how they had to, like, roll Cinnamon out of the house. And it seems it was just almost like fat jokes about a cat, like, humor not coming from a good place. Whereas some of the other moments of humor, I thought, were more well-intentioned. And I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I also thought the part where they describe how Babette found cinnamon was a little bit like too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) where she like accidentally kicked cinnamon across the floor or something and she went spinning around like the cat's just dead body went spinning around it's like we already get yeah we already get the humor in this moment and like the kind of irony i guess maybe Mm -hmm. um of this cat being treated with such gravity we don't need (laughs) we don't need this kind of gruesome image of the poor cat (laughs) yeah ultimately i just thought it was rude i'm like respect Mm -hmm. cinnamon's memory please (laughs) yeah or like other moments are like max doesn't believe lorelei when she said she's been busy she didn't forget about their date well if she forgot about it it's because she was at awake and he's like you're you're joking it's not actually for a cat like that's another good moment of like no it seriously is (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, I. this is a weird thing. When I was growing up, we always had cats. Um, and I guess, like, the relationship of the cats in our house was different from, like, my relationship with my cats now. Because, well, I was always very attached to the cats, but we also lived on the edge of the wilderness in New Mexico, and they would often get out and never come back for whatever reason and so we just had to move on so we had a lot of cat deaths that just like kind of passed you know Mm -hmm. and they're I think they're what Max is thinking of as a pet death Mm -hmm. (laughs) but what is actually happening is like if one of my cats who have been like my sole comfort during COVID if one of them died it would be a huge tragic event, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what Max just isn't getting. <laughs> right. Like, to Babette and Maury, 
Cinnamon was a child to them. And the way that uh, later on Babette and Lorelai discuss Babette's fears now that she's like afraid of moving on with the sense of loss. She doesn't know what she'll do anymore. She worries that Maury and her will, their relationship will suffer. And she mentions she's read about when parents lose a child, like their relationship might suffer. And I thought it was really, I thought it was heartwarming, honestly. And it is a depiction of relationships that are, even though it might seem trivial or casual, it's not to them. Yeah. Yeah, it really shows, like, the relationships between everybody in the town, basically, who would come and take this as a serious, serious event. Mm-hmm. Even Suki and Luke's race- racing over with um, food for everybody, and, like, everybody's bringing whatever comfort they can to to Babette and Maury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I'm sad that Cinnamon died, but I do, lo- I do love this whole storyline. Right. We have different models of family in a lot of different ways in these first few episodes, be that the mother-daughter or the the kinship ties that don't have to be related to mm-hmm. classical sense of family members. Like, Suki and Lane seem so much like a part of Rory and Lorelai's family in the same way that Patty and Babette have such a strong tie. It, I just really appreciate how seriously the show takes relationships that aren't always represented yeah yeah i agree like even though there are those romantic relationships they're not and sometimes they do take the forefront they're not the only or the most important ones Mm -hmm. and yeah so often they are the most important relationships shown in things Mm -hmm. also sorry my cat just pooped and now she has the zoomies up and down the hall (laughs) perfect timing Mm -hmm. in in cinnamon's honor (laughs) (laughs) yeah at least she didn't have the clams yeah the clams (laughs) maury said maury is afraid that the clams they had from owl's pancake world poisoned cinnamon basically and he says he'll never eat clams again and rory says she won't either in solidarity so it was very kind of her (laughs) yeah that was sweet (laughs) should i mean i guess in the same scene we get to the point where rory and dean have their their talk i guess you could call it um where dean makes his his uh intentions somewhat clear (laughs) and tries to find out what rory wants again i feel like he does this in a super passive aggressive way like he could have just stated i am interested in you i don't think you are interested in me bye (laughs) Mm mm-hmm or he could have just asked her, are you interested in me because I'm interested in you? Mm-hmm. That would have been, you know, a bit more straightforward. But I still thought it was a cute scene. <laughs> this is really when I turned around to appreciate Dean more in this episode, though. I'm glad that he apologized and made it clear that, like, oh, if you're not into me, I realize my behavior is not okay, so I'm going to stop mm-hmm. and go away. And he doesn't, like beg her to like him or anything he's just like a a bit of passive aggressive like you say but ultimately the message behind it is good and it does lead to like a fairly cute moment where Rory has to like burst out and be like 
I am interested in you. <laughs> and like a rom-com <laughs> cheesy rock song like plays immediately after I notice. <laughs> yeah, I really like this. And I think this is really where we get the absolute opposite of Tristan, who mm-hmm. has been told repeatedly to leave Rory alone and won't. And here we see that Dean probably, if she had not said anything or said, okay, leave me alone at this point, he probably would have left her, left her alone, gone mm-hmm. on to become Sam and Supernatural. But <laughs> since she got the nerve to, to say that she was interested, then, you know, things will progress. It's, it's so awkward, though. Mm-hmm. I get those, like, secondhand cringe feelings for them. <laughs> Young love. <laughs> it's cute, and I mean, it does... I like that it kind of continues to be awkward for a while. It seems most realistic. <laughs> Very cute. I agree. Doesn't she... Isn't it Rory tells Dean he was the perfect first love or boyfriend in the mm-hmm. revival? We'll see about yeah. that. But at least at this moment, I do see how she could say that potentially. It is very the hallmark, mm-hmm. mo- these hallmark moments of awkward <laughs> crushing. It does, it is, it's hard to watch because I've been there, <laughs> but it's great to see it represented too. Yeah. Yeah. So we end the wake basically with confirmation both for. Rory and Dean and Max and Lorelai have decided to reschedule their date. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, Rory has seen Lorelai and Max talking. um, And that's a little bit of a shock because Lorelai did not take Sookie's advice and tell her that she's planning on dating Rory's teacher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I felt bad for Rory at this point. And Mm -hmm. I really, I mean, if Lorelai is going to date her teacher, Rory has to know. There's just... There's no way to keep that a secret. It's completely unfair. I would be so... I'd be in her shoes, too. You're like, what the heck? And that's the teacher who just gave her a D, who wouldn't let her take the test. Like, she hasn't had the best relationship with this teacher either. So to see him at home, like, she thinks she's in trouble or at least is very confused and I would feel very uncomfortable. And I feel like... Lorelai does go to make it up to her after the wake. They have a conversation. It seems like they mostly reconcile and Rory starts to make fun. So you get the sense that she's kind of forgiven Lorelai because she jokes like, oh, could you keep Max out late this night because I have a test the next day and he could sleep through it and it'd be great for her. Uh, So she is joking, but I wonder if underneath, if she's mostly just trying to put on a band-aid to smooth things over, but it's not actually really solved because I do think it's a really it's a really big deal for her mom to be taking on a relationship like that with a teacher especially is like as we find out Lorelai really hasn't dated anybody at least not like seriously enough for Rory to meet them so for this to be the first man that Lorelai is dating that Rory has to meet and it's her teacher that would just be so horrifying. (laughs) Poor girl. We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. Here in Cozy Stars Hollow, we are on the doorstep to the wide world of cuisine. But no, it doesn't require a trip to New York City or even Hartford. 
Just come on over to Owl's Pancake World to get a taste of the world. While we do indeed have pancakes and other breakfast foods, our specialty lies elsewhere. Have you been craving a delicious curry or perhaps some fresh caught clams? Believe it or not, Owl's has just the menu for you and our little landlocked town. And right now, we have an offer just for listeners of Talking Fast. So come on in and have a seat at Owl's Pancake World. Mention the podcast, Talking Fast, to your server and you'll receive a 25% coupon for next week's sushi night. Remember, just mention Talking Fast to your server for a coupon for a sushi night. That's Talking Fast for 25% off sushi made fresh from the freezer at Owl's Pancake World. Owl's Pancake World. Don't believe the bad reviews. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's head off to Rory's bookshelf to discuss the most notable pop culture references in this episode. And then let's go to Lorelai's closet to check out the best and worst fashion choices in the show. Cool. So did you have any... um ideas for Rory's bookshelf or any outfits that you liked for Lorelai's closet? Okay, for Rory's bookshelf, I have an honorable mention, which goes to Lane for saying she wants to move to Philadelphia because that's where M. Night Shyamalan lives and she wants to talk to him about the sixth sense. (laughs) My choice, my winner though, is Sookie. And you mentioned this actually, that Sookie brought up Jim Carrey at Luke's Mm -hmm. Diner. And um, just for a bit of background, for anybody who doesn't know Jim Carrey, uh, the Google definition, not definition, but his Google bio mentions he's known for energetic slapstick performances. And then within the same breath, practically, Suki also mentions John Paul Sartre, and it's hard for me to say Sartre, but... um, he is a French philosopher, playwright, novelist, oh, okay. political activist, a literary critic, <laughs> a key figure in philosophy of existentialism and phenomenology. Phenomenology? Yes. <laughs> in um, 20th century French phil- philosophy and Marxism. So that was the Google bio again. And I just offered these bios because I think it is fantastic that Suki, <laughs> within like one conversation, both mentions both of these very different figures and it speaks again to the the wide vocabulary and reference references of Gilmore Girls I'm gonna choose to I'm suspending my disbelief completely and I'm believing that Suki fully knows like both of these people well and that she likes them like her interests contain multitudes just like us Mm -hmm. and I thought it was awesome (laughs) it was pretty good (laughs) What did, what were you thinking about for Rory's bookshelf? So mine was actually your honorable mention <laughs> with M. Night Shyamalan. And specifically because I've been in a huge like disaster movie phase lately where I've been watching a whole bunch of disaster movies. 
You would think that that would be the opposite of my choice these days when the world is a disaster. <laughs> but I don't know. For some reason, it's comforting. And I also always love alien movies. They're based, they're my favorite. And so I watched The Sixth Sense recently. Um, I hadn't seen it since it came out when I was a little kid. I had a terrifying experience with it. I watched it with my older brothers. And uh, we were all terrified, but as older brothers, they made me go out that night and bring the dog in, in the dark. <laughs> I was terrified. It was so scary. But I also had completely forgotten how extremely religious that movie is. Like, it's basically um, a conversion narrative, more or less. <laughs> like, the there's constant praying and um the main character mel gibson was a priest and then his wife died and then by the end of the alien encounter he's a priest again um so i just thought that that was i guess that was probably one of m night Shyamalan's first big hits so that might be why lane mentioned it and it was a hit at the time so mm -hmm. you know i guess it makes sense but i still that memory of letting the dog in after watching that, it haunts me to this day. <laughs> was, I thought The Sixth Sense was about, like, a kid who sees ghosts or something. Am I totally wrong? Oh, wait. Are you thinking of oh, signs? Oh my gosh, I've been talking about signs this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> because no, when, you're right. When oh you described the conversion narrative, I thought, oh, Mrs. Kim should approve of this choice, actually, because it's about, is it Christianity? <laughs> Yeah, oh my but, gosh, that's right. embarrassing. But we have to leave it in. Yeah. Um yeah, so I definitely met signs. I'm um, I'm sorry. actually <laughs> I had a corresponding experience. I was forced to watch signs too by my older sisters. <laughs> and we watched it in our our basement it was unfinished at the time. So we're in an unfinished dark <laughs> basement. I'm young. And this is my first scary movie ever. And I think it scarred me because to this day, I can't watch scary movies. I can't even, I don't like to watch when I was younger, oh, shortly after Signs was out, they did those like scary movie parodies. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And yeah. they were like comedies, but they would bring up, they had like stuff from Signs in it. And I couldn't even watch that. Even It was a comedy and I was too scared. Um, so... And because they're my older sisters, they forced. I saw it um, a second time. I watched oh Signs not gosh. once but twice because they just pressured me into it. I was very impressionable as a young kid. Yeah, and I, I can definitely say it's less scary as an adult. But I think this is really just a conversation about how terrible older siblings are. I mean, I, I am. I also have a younger sibling, so I guess I am one. But yeah, I'm a middle child. They really child. they just tortured us. <laughs> Did you have anything for Lorelai's closet? Any outfits you wanted to mention? Nothing stood out to me too much this episode. I did notice. Um, I did have an like an anti nomination. Something I didn't like. <laughs> Lorelai at one point is wearing the very 2000s blue eyeshadow, like light blue. Mm -hmm. I, it, I don't think it's her color. I don't know if light blue eyeshadow 
is the color for most people but it was definitely of the moment (laughs) yeah yeah I agree and it always looks like it's kind of popping off of the face Mm -hmm. yeah it's like not blended at all (laughs) yeah yeah I definitely I feel like she also had I don't remember if it was the same scene or a different scene where she had like one of those headbands that like has the different spikes kind of and pushes your hair back into a design or maybe that was Suki who had Mm -hmm. that I remember but yeah 2000s how about you I also didn't really know any outfits that were being worn this episode but I did like at the very end as a reconciliation um Lorelai says that she'll run by every outfit or run every outfit by Rory in the future <laughs> and the outfit that she described was hilarious it was a purple tiger top a leather skirt. I can only imagine it's that purple leather skirt from last episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> and her panda bear underwear. I just thought that <laughs> that was a very specific. Also, to plan what underwear you're wearing. I'm not very fashionable, so I don't really plan anything I ever wear. <laughs> I have, like, three options. Um, but to, yeah, plan your underwear for the next day, I feel like, is commitment. Mm-hmm. It's a whole ensemble. (laughs) Yeah. Every item included. Welcome to Stars Hollow is a chance for us to take a nostalgic stroll through the town, discussing its cozy and comfortable aesthetics. Okay, then we can move forward to Stars Hollow. Welcome to Stars Hollow. Did you, what were you thinking about for this? My, I had one specific prop that was used, like, Towards the very end also, and it was outside of Babette and Maury's house. They had these, like, tin lanterns that, you know, are like an old coffee tin or something uh, with designs punched into them. But it had blue light in it, and it just looked so, like, comfy. It was just, like, hanging in the trees or, like, on the edge of their porch or something. And the camera just panned past it really quickly, but that, like, along with their cute little house... (laughs) just looked so cozy and it is definitely something I want in a future house. I want to have some like tin lanterns outside. They're cute. That is cute. I was thinking about their house for my response for this. It almost seems like a renovated barn to me. Does that sound accurate? Because it has some interesting features such as incredibly short doors that everyone has to duck under, which is really comical when, like, Dean has to go through the door. They have a joke about Maury, even, and how he got a few different concussions in their first year there and then learned how to go through the doors. And, like, Lorelai has to kneel to use the sink in the kitchen because mm-hmm. the sink is so low. It, it just is so full of very odd very odd designs that make it so funny and charming to me Uh, as well as a backyard that is full of gnomes (laughs) like we see Rory's hiding out in the backyard on a bench kind of a very classic patio except she's surrounded by like a horde of gnomes which goes back (laughs) to that amazing line from the vet in the first episode about gnome kicking so I see why she's so concerned about that because her whole yard Mm -hmm is full of gnomes yeah if you kick one they all fall over (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i love that moment also 
I think it's time for Friday Night Dinner, our once a week opportunity to critique something from this episode. Speaking of moments we don't love, (laughs) Friday Night Dinner, what do you have this week? What are you bringing to the table? So I actually wanted to bring us back to something we talked about at the very beginning, which was the, um, the way that Lorelai puts the decision of whether she is going to date Max Medina on Rory's shoulders. And you, you kind of mentioned it, that you thought that maybe Rory just agreed to kind of placate Lorelai and end the argument. And I have to agree. I feel like the beginning of that conversation went well, but then as soon as Lorelai was saying just you tell me not to and I won't. As soon as somebody says that, you know that they're trying to manipulate you into saying, go ahead and do what you want, because they don't want to be the bad guy. And as a parenting technique, granted I'm not a parent, I won't judge any real parents, but as a parenting technique on TV, I feel like that is a a really bad sign. Mm -hmm. And puts Rory in such a bad position to where she can't actually articulate what she wants without severely disappointing her mom. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I it kind of brings me back also to maybe it was last week when we were talking, or the week before with the golfing episode mm-hmm. when uh, Lorelai and Emily were basically deciding things for Rory and not letting like, saying that Rory's not going to say no because she's a people pleaser. Like, this is the this is the reason why. It's because she's given these kinds of responsibilities by her caretaker. And the, she has to be a people pleaser because she's a kid, you know? The power dynamic mm-hmm. is just out of control. Yeah. I'm glad you bring that up. I completely agree. I don't think it's fair that Lorelai put that decision on her. And as you say, the power dynamics here don't enable her to make a completely free decision. Either she does feel completely okay with it or not. Like, regardless, there's just too much force and pressure on her to make a decision she shouldn't have to make. I I feel really I feel really bad for Rory in this episode. And I'll just go ahead and say I have a very similar critique for Friday Night Dinner, which is just basically the the premise of Lorelai and Max dating at all. I'm, I don't want to say what's appropriate or not appropriate for other people, but I just don't think it's the right call for Lorelai to make. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I like teaching college students is that I don't have to ever see or know about the existence of their parents <laughs> ever. It would be a verbal violation for me to contact them at all. And that's the way I want it to be. Like, I, it's a professional relationship. And I don't think Max should be flirting with the parents of his school, his students. I don't see, like, he might think he can think about that neutrally and fairly if they did break up, for example. But Rory's still in his class. And I think at least, like, just wait be like I'm into you I really want to see where this goes but let's date whenever Rory graduates from my class like it doesn't have to be Chilton completely but Mm -hmm. just hold off 
it's don't bring Rory into this weird ethical area. We know what's going to happen in the end. Like, I think we're right to critique it right now. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, obviously we don't know what point of the school year this is, although we have tried to guess. <laughs> but at most, <laughs> at most they'd have to wait, like, nine months. Because I'm assuming Max is, like, the sophomore English teacher. Maybe he'd also teach a different class or something but I'm assuming she wouldn't have the same English teacher for her entire high school career so yeah just literally wait a little bit let that sexual tension rise you know mm-hmm. and then wait until the summer or something because it's yeah it's it's irresponsible of both the adults and it puts everything on all the consequences basically go on to Rory it's right. unfair <sighs> Yeah. yeah, as much as we like Max and Lorelai together, but they mm-hmm. shouldn't be together right now. <laughs> I agree. I agree completely. <laughs> but there's nothing we can do to change that, so we'll just have to watch it unfold. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now let's meet at the gazebo to discuss our favorite moment from this episode. Okay, did you have any gazebo moment for this week? I did. So... The episode opened and closed with Emily Gilmore. (laughs) The cold open was a scene where they're at dinner. And later on, in a sort of parallel moment, when Lorelai answers the phone and Emily's calling, Emily had previously wanted her to go to a funeral of a very distant relative. And Lorelai is basically like, that's not, I don't know that person. I'm not going to go to their funeral. But then Lorelai tells Emily that she went to a funeral basically for a cat and Emily (laughs) is mad. So Emily says, hold on, I'm looking up aneurysm in our medical dictionary (laughs) to see if I've just had one. (laughs) And I just think here we're seeing the seeing Emily's sense of humor, which is incredibly dry, sarcastic, cutting, even could be like cruel at times um but I think we just think of Lorelai as the funny Gilmore but I think we need to recognize Emily for her sense of humor and wit as well and kind of get a sense of where Lorelai got her humor she has a very different style of course but their family has a long line I think of very very witty women yeah, I agree. The opening scene was hilarious. I mean, the the subjects of the joke was a little bit cringy, but that kind of made it more funny. <laughs> right, because for background context, Richard is away on a business trip in Germany, so Lorelai, she makes a joke about, like, Nazis. So Emily's follow-up joke is that they have, like, associated with a known Nazi, and Lorelai is understandably aghast. She's like, that's despicable! And we're all like, yeah, that is despicable. And then Emily's like, I'm completely kidding. Of, of course. I, of course we didn't. Um, yeah. I was like, it was a casual reference to Nazis that definitely felt like a 21 years ago kind of reference. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it funnier that you can almost believe Richard and Emily would have, would have connections. Not because they are necessarily Nazis, although... In later episodes, I will want to talk about the 
like the uh, D-A-R and stuff like that. Mm. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, Daughters of but, the American Revolution. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's almost believable, which makes it hilarious. Mm-hmm. How about you? Okay. <laughs> My gazebo moment takes place at Luke's diner um, when Luke is coming back and yelling at Sookie for... Uh, taking all his garnishes and trying to help all of his customers. And he says, let's see. You don't do yoga on the Dalai Lama's mat. <laughs> and then I think he follows up with, like, you don't go behind my counter or something. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a hilarious line. I could see Luke being a yogi, you know. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, I just love that line. <laughs> it's <was> so unexpected. <laughs> Do you think he takes his hat off for yoga? I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> it's not important. It's just something I thought of. <laughs> It'd be a funny, a very funny thing. If we have any artists out there, draw us Luke doing yoga with his blue hat on. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, also, so as we're wrapping up today, don't forget to send us your gazebo moments. Um, from this episode or any of the episodes we've covered, and you can do this by sending us either a one-minute voice memo, um, or you can just send us an email and we'll read it out loud. Um, of course, obviously we'd read it out loud, (laughs) to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear your favorite moments from the show. Mm -hmm. And we would also love to hear from you in the form of a review or a rating, liking, or subscribing, whatever kind of function you can do wherever you listen to your podcast, be that Apple or Spotify. We would really appreciate it. And of course, we would also really like if you could join us on Instagram and follow us at Talking Fast Podcast so we can engage with you there as well. Okay, cool. Same time next week. Yeah, talk then. (laughs) 